Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, March 28, 2023. It's about 1030 uh, in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. Ray McGovern returns to the show. My dear friend, Ray, it's always a pleasure. Uh, the audience loves you. You always educate us. Thank you uh, for joining you. us. You have an unbelievable piece. I don't know if it came out yesterday or this morning. I just saw it this morning. The banality of Biden's exceptional uh, elite advisors in which you opine that Joe Biden's principal foreign policy or advisors, the chief among whom is Antony Blinken, the secretary of state who's worked for Biden for the past uh, 20 years, live in a dream world on the verge of becoming a nightmare. What a phrase, a dream world on the verge of becoming a, night, a nightmare. What does that mean? Well, Judge, it means that they believe in this idea of American exceptionalism. In other words, uh, they think they, they can lead, as they all say, we're leading the world. Well, that's hegemony, okay? It comes from the Greek word, hegemon, which means not only to lead, but to dominate. And that's what the U.S. has been doing, at least since the war, since World War II, okay? Now, if they think that, they still think that with Russia and China now joined at the hip in a virtual military alliance, although they disavow the word, right? Uh, if they still believe that, we're in trouble deep because push is going to come to shove in Ukraine and China is going to be right there with Russia, making sure that Russian core interests are respected just as Russia will make sure that China's core interests vis-a-vis -vis Taiwan are respected. That's a, that's a new world, and President Putin advisedly calls it a tectonic shift in the world correlation of forces. Before we analyze this tectonic shift, uh, Ray, um, what, what is American exceptionalism? in the minds of those who preach it, that we are better human beings, that we are a purer country, that we can force our values on others, even against their will and at the force of a gun, George W. Bush. What, what does exceptionalism mean to this crowd? Well, I'd use the adjective entitled. We're more entitled than anyone else to a disproportionate share of the world's wealth. This goes back to right after World War II, when George Kennan, who used to be an idol of mine until I realized how exceptional or how, how pristine, pure, and well-heeled he was, let's say almost racist, he said in his first, the first State Department policy planning document, look, uh, here's what we need to do. The U.S. Uh, has has control over half of the world's 
natural resources, but we only comprise 6.3% of the world's population. So we have to do everything we can to maintain this disproportionality. It's going to come to the exercise of hard power. We should say it. We should not shrink from that. Okay. Now, we could do that after World War II. Uh, and, and we could do that after the Russian, after the Soviet Union fell apart. But we can't do it anymore. And uh, the, the, the odd thing, I mean, the dangerous thing is that Biden's not with it, I don't think. The people around him are so misled by this idea that they're entitled. Look, two years ago, they read the Riot Act to the Chinese. They said, look, you know, you're going to do what we say. We have this uh, rules-based international system. You're going to, we're going to shove it down your throat. The Chinese, for millennia of history, lots of history with imperialism, like the, like the Germans, like the, like the Germans actually, but the most, mostly the, the British. So, you know, it, they don't get it. And that's what's dangerous because when push comes to shove, I don't know what they're going to do in terms of advising Biden when Putin makes this. I have to say, I'm a little surprised that he would advertise that he's bringing nuclear warheads into Belarus. You know, I'm surprised by Putin um, like regularly. And I don't like that idea because I don't want to be surprised by looking out the window and seeing a mushroom cloud. I mean, I hate to sound like Condoleezza Rice, for God's sake. Right, right, but it's right, much right. more dangerous now than it right, was before. Right. Well, let's get back to American exceptionalism, uh, which you condemn, which I condemn, which those of us who believe that the purpose of the military is to avoid war, not to wage wars of opportunity, uh, condemn. Uh, Tony Blinken, who's the Secretary of State of the United States, uh, has been working for his current boss for many years, 20 years ago the chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee was Senator Joe Biden of Delaware, and the chief of staff of that uh, committee was Tony Blinken. You uh, opine in your piece this morning uh, that uh, then Mr. Blinken, now Secretary Blinken, uh, helped his then boss, I'm quoting Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Joe Biden, lie about our weapons of mass destruction to win congressional approval for the war in Iraq. Wasn't the war in Iraq filled with its lies from George W. Bush to Dick Cheney to Donald Rumsfeld, that speech that Colin Powell gave uh, at the uh, UN uh, to whatever uh, Tony Blinken told Democratic and Republican uh, senators. Wasn't that an example of American exceptionalism? We're so good. We're going to force democracy down your throats by blowing you out of the water. Yeah, it's an example of this sense of entitlement and complete naivete with respect to the limits of our power. Um, now, I don't have to opine this, Judge. Uh, my good friend, Scott Ritter, who knew more about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq than any other living soul on this planet, tried desperately to see his senator. Senator Hillary Clinton, and tell her, hey, look, there are no weapons of mass destruction there, okay? Couldn't get in the door. Tried desperately to get on the list of people testifying before Joe Biden's Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Couldn't get in the door. Who was Katie Bar the door? 
that was that was Blinken. Okay. Blinken, now you right. would think that that he would he would be not entitled anymore. But these guys, they get entitled, and then they're entitled twenty years later to to reproduce the lies. All this business about the Ukrainians are going to win—that comes from Iranian, <laughs> comes from Ukrainian liaison services, and the Ukrainian opposite number to people like Austin, who tell them, "Oh yeah, well, just a cup, just a couple more tranches of weaponry, <laughs> who is sure to win." It's balderdash. It's what the British call rubbish. You uh, talk about Austin. You are referring to Secretary of State, excuse me, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. You talk about his opining that Ukraine is going to win. This gets a touch into the weeds about tanks, but here's what Secretary of Defense Austin told the Senate Foreign Relations Committee 15 minutes ago, right before we went on air, right? It's about a minute long. You told me, Secretary Austin, that you believe Ukraine now has the upper hand in the war against Russia. Is that correct? That's correct. This is a highly contested uh, uh, fight, Senator, as you know. And we've seen uh, the tide uh, move back and forth. We've re most recently, we've seen some pretty significant uh, fighting in the Bakhmut area. In right. The uh, but, but, but just... Um, with with regard to your optimism about Ukraine having the upper hand, that is what you told me yesterday. It, it is. And I, what I was about to say, Senator, is that uh, Ukrainians have inflicted significant casualties uh, on, uh, on the Russians, and they have depleted their, uh, their inventory of uh, armored vehicles in a way that no one would have ever imagined. And so now we see Russia reaching for T-54s and T-55 tanks because of the level of damage that the Ukrainians have inflicted on them. And we have, uh, in the meantime, been... And reaching, reaching for those tanks uh, demonstrates what to you, sir? It, it demonstrates that uh, their capability is waning. And uh, it, we've, we've uh, continued uh, to witness uh, them be challenged in, uh, with uh, artillery munitions uh, and other things, and they're reaching out to Iran, they're reaching out to, uh, to North Korea. Do, do you believe there's a real chance for significant Ukrainian advancements uh, between now and, uh, and the beginning of winter? I believe there's a chance, and we're doing everything that we can do to uh, ensure that they have their best opportunity to be successful. Propaganda and balderdash at the highest level, but I'll let you dissect what he said. Well, Judge, uh, it's easy to compare reputations now, Austin has deliberately distorted, uh, falsified intelligence before. He was head of CENTCOM with purview over the Middle East. And he kept saying, well, Syria, you know, Syria is losing. Our guys there are, are Al-Qaeda guys. The people we train to confront the Syrian army, they're winning. It was balderdash then. And 51 intelligence analysts at CENTCOM made a formal petition to the IG of the Pentagon saying, Austin and his people at the very top are falsifying our judgments on what's going on in Syria. <laughs> there was an investigation. Ooh, guess what? What well, did the, the inspector IG general find? <laughs> well, he said, oh, well, we looked carefully. In well, what do inspector generals of the Pentagon always find? Uh, the generals are not, not these, were, these were 51 upset people. 
they were right, of course, but you know, they were overruled at the top because the top knows better. They're entitled and they're really smart. Well, Austin isn't really smart. I have to tell you, the fact that he used to go to, to mass with Joe Biden's son in Iraq doesn't qualify him to be the defense secretary, for God's sake. He's just repeating what he's hearing. <laughs> it's sort of a, a, a cycle here. They tell this to the press. The press repeats it. Uh, Austin is briefed on what the New York Times says in the morning. I said, well, I hope this must be true. It comes from the best, the best Ukrainian sources. Give me a break. It's not going to happen that way. Now, the other side of things are people like Colonel McGregor, who knows which end is up. You know, forgive me, but Colonel is a Colonel and General is a General, but I always believe the Colonels. <laughs> I got a lot of questions uh, to uh, to ask you. I mean, Joe uh, Biden and Tony Blinken were willing to lie us into a war in Iraq. Are they crazy enough to lie us into a war with Russia and China at the same time? A war we couldn't possibly fight, a war which would be logistically impossible for us to win. Yeah. I mean, they give every indication of being so dumb. I mean, there's a lot at stake here. Uh, take this as a as a hypothetical. Who knows going to win? Who knows who's going to win the next presidential election? Well, Joe These Biden guys, wants to run for re-election as a wartime president. That seems yeah. fairly obvious. And he's yeah. willing to pick a fight with the Russians, which would be insane. It means he's willing to put the lives of American boys and Russian boys uh, on the line for his own uh, vanity. That's right. And Putin knows that. And Putin has said many times that U.S. foreign policy is fashioned first and foremost by domestic political developments. Okay. So what's happening here? What's happening here? is that Biden is out of it. The people advising Biden, like Austin and Blinken and Jacob Sullivan, uh, they have this benighted view of U.S. being the hegemon, okay? And they have forced Russia and China together in a way that has never been the case before. So, you know, what's really dangerous here is that they don't realize that. Now, um, to... Russia, Ukraine is an existential threat. Uh, am I surprised that Putin would advertise that he's put nuclear warheads or is about to in a storage facility on July 1 in Belarus? Yeah, I'm surprised. And so I don't want to be surprised anymore. Is he prepared to use them? I don't think so. But this is an earnest of how serious he considers the situation. He's got them there and he's trying to warn the West, look. Don't forget, you don't you don't uh, confront a nuclear armed power with such blithe condescension. We have the power to to prevail in Ukraine, no matter what you do. And if you do X, Y, and Z, we're gonna be, we're gonna be, have our back against the wall. And then, and only then, we're gonna use what we have. He said that explicitly. Whether these guys, these benighted, uh, well-heeled guys in, in Washington get it, uh, that's another question. You know, I had, a, I had an insight, Judge. Uh, sure. Yesterday, a former uh, U.S. ambassador to Russia, Michael McFall, 
<laughs> gave us an ex excellent example of not seeing the forest for the trees, okay? He saw one tree. He said, oh, the joint statement that Putin and Xi made, that says you should not deploy nuclear warheads in other countries. Well, yeah, it said that. <laughs> It said a hundred other things, much more meaning. That was boilerplate. But McFall is telling everyone, and this is the kind of people who are advising uh, Blinken and Nod and those guys. He's telling everyone, oh, this, the Chinese are going to be so upset at this. They were hoodwinked. They were, they, they were trapped. They signed this statement. And then next thing you know, two days later, Putin puts or says he's going to put nuclear warheads in Belarus. That's, that's naive in the extreme. It it sees one little tree, which is inconsequential. It's boilerplate propaganda. One little tree for the whole forest. The whole forest is they're against this now, and they're willing to they're willing to defend each other, and specifically what they call each other's core interests. We know what they are: Ukraine and Taiwan. The statement we just watched uh, from uh, Secretary of Defense Austin. Um, what do your former colleagues, uh, analysts, or officers, whether they're the gatherers of, of data for the CIA or the interpreters of data for the CIA, but the ones that are intellectually honest, who know that he's just mouthing the administration line and actually doing a poor job of it, uh, what do they think when they see that? And what can they do? Uh, to get the right data out there? Well, it's not really what we all think. It's uh, watching uh, watching Austin squirm. You see him squirm? And it, it, yeah, he did not yeah, seem it, comfortable with himself. That's why I said <laughs> he didn't even do a good job. Let's, let's put it this way. Tony Blinken does a better job of mouthing <laughs> the administration's nonsense than Lloyd Austin does. Talk about damning with faint praise, Judge. Yes. Uh, well, you know, it's really important. It's what... Biden, it's what Putin and, and uh, you know, the top Russian leadership think. Uh, this guy is not completely with it. Biden is not completely with it. They're getting advised by people like McFall, who has this crazy notion that we need to confront the Russians. So what is he to think? That's the dangerous part of this. Now, uh, as I say, uh, Austin is not all that bright. Uh, to the degree he's bright, he knows that to become four stars, you gotta, you gotta distort the intelligence. And his boss, his nominal boss, April Haynes, has repeated this stuff. Just two months ago, she said, "You know, China, uh, China is, is playing a really double game here. You know, they're not really supporting Russia. You know, you're trying to have it both ways." Her words. <laughs> April, wake up and smell a coffee. It's two against one now, and that means something. And again, I'll say, as I said before, if in the if in the unlikely event Putin faces some sort of defeat in Ukraine, an existential interest for him, you could expect some trouble, at least some saber rattling in the South China Sea and perhaps in the Taiwan Strait as well. It's a two front war now. If if uh, these naive people push it that way, and Putin has to look on this as an election year uh, in a political sense, uh, these political hacks would consider it an existential threat to them too. Because as I say, nobody's sure who's going to win the next presidential election. Let's say 
let's say Trump or somebody else comes in, these guys could be prosecuted for lying through their teeth about Russiagate and about lots of other things. Prosecuted. And, and I use that term advisedly. The evidence is there. Wow. And, and the same nonsense for which they could be prosecuted, as you say, argues that Putin and uh, Xi are just in a marriage of convenience and there could be a, a divorce <laughs> tomorrow. Now, do they really expect us to believe that? Do they believe it? Do they well, not understand that we, the, um, the United States government, has pushed Russia and China closer and closer together? You know, Judge, uh, marriage of convenience, I guess that's what Britain had with Poland way back in 19, what was it, 1939? Yeah, I was born, I was born the, the week before the war started, okay? Marriage of convenience? These marriages, whether they're of convenience or of necessity, uh, are real marriages. And I've never seen, I've never seen Russia and China so close. Uh, this last, these three days last week uh, of uh, Putin and Xi being together, I mean, they're doing everything they possibly can to say, look, you benighted people in Washington, don't think we're playing at both ends against the bill here. Xi is with us. And you should recognize the consequences. Unfortunately, your question is the apt one. I don't know if they recognize that or not. Well, can the United States possibly fight a war against Russia? Can the United States allow itself militarily to be drawn into the war in Ukraine as these neocons want? And at the same time, drawn into a war to defend uh, Taiwan. Can any rational being expect that our military could fight two wars at the same time, 10,000 miles apart? No. And the only way to explain this is how uh, President Putin explained it back at the end of October last year at Valdai, the discussion club. He was asked a question. How do you explain the fact that the Americans are taking on China as well as us in Ukraine? And he said, you know, that's a good question. There's no logic to it. I think they're just crazy, Putin's words. They're out of mind, walking out of their minds, okay? And then he added, he says, you know, the only way you can explain this is by overweening arrogance and a feeling of impunity. <sighs> Exceptionalism. Exceptionalism, yeah. yes. It's On that steroids, same, yeah. Right, it's that same mindset, uh, which has bedeviled American foreign policy since the end of World War II. You know, Judge, there was a, there was a gleam of hope when Mr. Putin bailed uh, Obama out on those chemical weapons in Syria, such as they were. Uh, Obama didn't want to go to war, okay? To his credit, he didn't want to start another war. Putin told him, look, we can get the Syrians to destroy those chemical weapons that are left uh, under UN supervision on a ship, like the ships you have specifically outfitted to destroy chemical weapons. What do you think? And, and, <laughs> and Obama said, really? Kerry never told me about that. And that's true. 
he was alone with with uh, Obama and Putin were alone. And yeah, watch the, watch tomorrow on TV. The Syrian foreign minister is going to announce it, and he did. And Obama breathed a sigh of relief on the on the twelfth of September, two thousand thirteen, when all this was going down. Putin wrote an article in the New York Times, an op-ed, and he said, and I quote, I feel really encouraged by the increasing trust, got that word, trust between not only our two countries, but between President Obama and myself personally. The only thing I object to, says Putin in the last paragraph, is what Obama said last week, namely that the U.S. is exceptional. I don't agree with that. I think there are small countries, big countries, countries closer to democracy, countries not so close, but when God looks down at all countries, he sees them as all equal. Now, whoa! <laughs> so that's September 12th, 2013. Six months later, this exceptional country causes a coup on Russia's doorstep in Kiev, the most right. blatant coup in history, and everything goes kaput down from there. So these exceptional people, these neocons so-called, were not going to abide increasing respect or increasing trust, my God. And it's very dangerous now because there's not only no trust, there's no contact between the two. Even during the Cuban Missile Crisis, there were discussions. There was a teletype that I knew about. Jack Matlock was working it in, on, the, on the Embassy Moscow end. They could talk and they could resolve their differences. Now, not so much. Uh, I hope there's some way they can talk, but by all evidence, um, you know, every time every time Blinken sees the foreign secretary, foreign minister Lavrov, he, he runs into the into the women's room for God's sake. He don't want he don't want even even have Lavrov follow him into the men's room. I mean, it's really bad, and it's adolescent. And it could get us in trouble deep, as they used to say in the comic books. Ray McGovern, thank you so much. Telling it like it is. Uh, if you haven't seen Ray's piece, Google it. The banality of Biden's exceptional elite advisors. Get it on antiwar.com or lowrockwell.com. It will keep you awake tonight. Ray, thanks very much for joining us. You're most welcome, Judge. If you enjoy our work, like and subscribe. More as we get it. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.